Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Insurance. Car insurance is back in the news. I could go through all the figures and bore you to death with all the figures, but the bottom line is here, we're all being ripped off. And that is the truth of it. We're paying 43% more for our car insurance, even though the claims have gone down by 20%. The insurance companies in the Federation will have us believe that the reason that we're all paying more is because there's more claims. But that is not the the actual details of the case. Uh, Details contained in the Central Bank's first private motor insurance report of the National Claims Information Database shows that between 2009 and 2018, the overall frequency of claims by motors fell by 40%. And the figure includes a 20% reduction in the number of injury claims and a 43% reduction in the number of damage claims. So people are not claiming. For example, the small dings that people are getting on their cars, they're not claiming anymore. People don't want to lose their no-claims bonus, so they'll only claim genuinely if something is very serious or somebody is hurt. That really seems to be the case. Now, we do see liability claims coming out in court all the time for silly things like people falling over and done stores and all that kind of thing. It's kind of a separate issue to car insurance. So, there has been a lot said about it today, and no Sinn Féin TD Pierce Doherty described the figures as shocking, a shocking indictment of the insurance industry, which he said has waged a campaign of disinformation for a number of years. And also Paul Murphy has been talking about it as well, and he said it's profiteering, and he has a suggestion, and I want to speak to Paul Murphy at the TD from Rise. Paul, good afternoon to you. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, Paul, I mean, look, it is shocking that we, we know the insurance companies are making money. We know the claims are down, even though they'll try and have us believe that this is the reason why we're paying more money for insurance. But yet they're charging us roughly, it says on average, 43% more for our car insurance. Yeah, it, it's a rip-off. Um, and we now have proof. Um, in reality, we had proof, but we have more proof now about why this rip-off is taking place. And it shows that this propaganda around compo culture being the reason that premiums are going up. Well, when you say a propaganda, there there is a compo culture. We know that. There is always this idea that somebody else's fault when something happens to people. But that's generally around public liability rather than car insurance, I imagine. Well, look, you'll always find, you know, this or that uh, case whereby someone is trying to pull a fast one or whatever. But the, the... Motor insurance industry and the insurance industry generally collaborated by with the government has been trying to say consistently for the last number of years that the reason that premiums are going up is because of this supposed compo culture. So you believe Um, there's a collusion between the the insurance? The the government has been echoing the line of the motor insurance industry every single step of the way, despite the fact that the figures have been clear even before now. And I mean, a whole number of years ago in the finance committee, I was making this point to the insurance industry uh, representatives last year. It's been clear for quite a while that um, premiums have gone up substantially, 42% in since 2009, and yet the average cost of claims has come down and the frequency of claims have come down. And so the, the root cause of the increase in premiums is profiteering by the insurance, insurance industry, um, losses that they have made on their own investments uh, that they're trying to make up for by hiking up premiums, and the increased costs of reinsurance, um, which have gone up very substantially. That's the insurance that the insurance companies have. But it isn't driven by a whole load of claims. Well, we, they're also down. blaming, of course, the percentages that have been put on because of the loss of insurance companies recently, like Quinn and, mm-hmm. and others that have gone to the wall, that we all obviously have to pay for that. Um, but the argument for the government is, well, there's not a lot we can do. This is, you know, it's a free market. 
you know, um, these are private companies. We really can't regulate this, or how can we regulate it? But your argument is that, well, we could do something different, which is, I suppose, what they do in Australia, New Zealand, which is this, what they call the green slip, because everybody needs basic third-party insurance. And in these countries, you can do that through the state. Yes. Um, we, we think that, I mean, the private market for-profit insurance industry has thoroughly failed people in this country. Um, we hear now, you know, every single day, of crises in terms of creches. I was in the, the Federcairn Horse Project yesterday. They're facing a crisis potentially closing down community centres across the country, sports facilities. It's, it's a huge crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it isn't providing the service that people need, and they're engaged in you know, substantial price gouging. So instead, the idea that the state would assume the responsibility to provide motor and public liability insurance, that it treats it as what it is, as an essential public uh, utility, and it provides it on a non-profit basis that takes account of um, people's ability to pay. Um, so you, you do have a system a little bit like this in New Zealand in terms of, of motor uh, insurance. And it's something that, you know, every time... Well, I, I was looking at the today, Australian. The Australian model is called the CTP insurance uh, or the green slip insurance. And basically you buy your policy from one of a handful of insurers that the state has selected to take part in this particular scheme. In other words, uh, the, state, the state, similar to the way MOT, I suppose, is done, where they you know, there's a private contract to come in and tenders the state uh, to look after that. And you get your basic insurance, which covers, you know, policies, for example, for medical bills or anybody injured in an accident. Um, but after that, if you want personal insurance or you want to ramp it up a little bit and you want your fully comprehensive, then you go privately or you can go to a private company. Yeah, I mean, the other system is that you, you can have it incorporated into the cost of petrol. Um, so obviously when you're, when you, it's when you're driving and petrol and diesel, obviously, it's when you're driving that you're in danger of um, needing uh, insurance, having an accident or whatever, yeah, course, and therefore yeah, having, it, having it incorporated there. Well, there um, was a suggestion, the, the Paul, wasn't there? Well, there was a suggestion a few years ago um, by the Labour Party, if I remember rightly, that we incorporated car tax into petrol. Would, would have, but they worked it out about seven cents and a litre. Um, and I suppose the argument is that the more you drive, the more chance you have of having an accident exactly. and the more you use the roads. Exactly. Um, the point... This is very wasteful from the point of view of, of society. The waste arise because of the competition between all of these companies. The waste arise, an important um, part of these costs um, come from um, the competition between each other and then incentivizing people to get, the, you know, to get the business and so on. It comes from profiteering. It comes from their own speculation on the private markets, which then if they lose, we have to pay uh, the price for. And so as a society, instead of doing all of that, the idea that the state should step in and provide um, insurance for people who, who need it. Um, I mean, where, where would we go then with the risk assessment? Because if somebody say, let's say we went with the idea that we put it onto the price of a, of a litre of petrol, right? And then so what happens if somebody has an accident? Do they have to pay extra or how does that work out? Because obviously if somebody's going to have an accident, well, then obviously people have to be evaluated by risk. So how do we work it? How will the state work that out? Well, you see, if you have, it's linked to like how you organize your public services as well. You know, if you think that you had, if you have a proper public health service, that's properly funded that people can access, that actually cuts across, you know, a huge amount of the costs that arise from people having uh, accidents. Um, so if you're providing proper public services, including health service, the cost of insurance in any case um, goes goes down. But we, we don't think, for example, like young people are obviously often you know, discriminated against. And the argument is made that, well, we're charging young people more because they're higher risk. And yes, they are higher risk. But 
it's been demonstrated with the figures again and again that they are the insurance companies are taking advantage of that perception to charge more than would be warranted. Ridiculous prices, they, yes. Exactly. Like it's, I, I remember going through the figures in the Finance Committee and it's, it's you know, wildly out of whack with the reality of the increased, increased risk that either young people or older Oh, if you're people, under 25, um, you may forget about it. Yeah, I, I understand. My own son is paying 3500 at the moment uh, for car insurance because he's under the age of 25. But we, we, we did try this many years ago, Paul. When I say we tried it, we had the VHI, of course, which was state-run many, mm-hmm. many years ago. And then, of course, you know, we had the private companies came along. And then the problem we had was who's going to insure older people? Uh, because if the state is running the VHI, they were kind of stuck with the older people who were the higher risk mm-hmm. at the time. So we kind of had a problem then. And then would it, would it not be a case then that private insurance companies will go, oh, well, look, the state will deal with those ones. They're the high risk. We just take the cosy ones. Well, I think that is the, the problem with the VHI model is that effectively you establish a, a market for insurance in healthcare, um, And then precisely the state is left with the, like, you know what I mean, the bad insurance. Um, the higher risk, the yeah. Whereas if you have a genuinely free at the point of access and quality health service, well, then the question of insurance doesn't arise because everybody is going to be able to, to get it and therefore you don't have that, that market competition. It's when you begin to introduce the market into a sector, then the logic is of driving down uh, costs and trying to increase profits. And if you have a state operator in that scenario, well, then that state, state operator can obviously get, get squeezed. Um, so the idea would be to replace these currently very profitable um, private operators with a state-provided non-profit um, insurance mm-hmm. uh, industry. And, and initially, at least, it should be able to provide insurance on a, on a, on a cheaper basis for people um, by virtue of the fact that it's non-profit, because it, you know, an important part of the reason that these premiums are so high is because of, it, of the profits. Yeah, and I think we've come to this point because you believe that the Insurance Federation, the insurance companies, are answerable to nobody, it seems, at the moment. Yeah, and like... I mean, I remember we discussed with the governor of the, the deputy governor of the central bank, and their whole logic is the idea that we have to get more people into the market, more people into the market, more competition that will lower costs. But he admitted at that point in time that that presumption is an act of faith, um, is the idea that simply by having more private companies, the situation is going to get uh, better. Um, mm-hmm. We we know that between I mean, over the last close to two decades. Almost three billion euros has been taken out by insurance companies in profits. Um, these companies are a part of the problem. They're then spending some of this money on a propaganda campaign to try and get people to kind of not place the blame at the insurance companies, but instead to, to look at each other and look at campo culture and, and so on. Um, at the same time, that they're able to you know just hike up premiums and keep going. And by the way, we do want to point out that there are there is a lot of insurance fraud that needs to be dealt with and we don't want to ignore that completely and the insurance companies are right in the fact that if you do know or you're aware of somebody who's involved in fraudulent claims because we, we have seen accidents that have been set up by criminal gangs, you know, sure. purposely to make claims. So that, that does happen uh, and it is a quite substantial amount of money every year. I'm sure that everybody else is paying the price for but it still doesn't justify, say, for example, a premium of €498 Euro in 2009 going up to 706 in 2018 which is almost double so it doesn't justify that it, it doesn't and, and so I, I don't deny that, that fraud exists but I think it is massively overstated by the insurance companies to try to give the impression that this is the reason that it's uh, taking place uh, I mean when the insurance industry was before the finance committee was pierced, I already asked them okay well how many, how many reports have you made of, of uh, fraud because if, if someone is supposedly making an exaggerated claim in reality that is that is fraud 
and the number was something like eight over the course But they don't of seem to do anything about it, Paul, because if you were in an accident, and I, and I know that I was in an accident going back about six, seven years ago there, and I knew the individual which I hit, sadly, um, uh, they were making a false claim because the, I literally had tapped the bloody bumper, right? And, they, you know, I was chatting to them afterwards. They were perfectly fine. And all of a sudden, they were in a wheelchair. You know what I mean? So, I, and I said to the insurance company, can you not just fight it? Oh, no, we have to just pay it out. And I said, well, can you not just go to court and fight it? Because there's, there's nothing wrong with this person. No, we just pay it out, sure, you know. And they just pay it. And, and you're not even, you know, you're not even asked about it. You're not, you, you don't have to give permission for it. They just pay it. And, and I, I find that a bit disingenuous that they, the person that's involved in the accident is never called as a witness, is never used in any way to try and defend the insurance companies that, and whatever, you know, litigation there is against them. I mean, they just pay it out and ridiculous yeah, amounts of money ultimately, sometimes. Ultimately, you pay for it next year. Well, I understand. Your insurance policy um, goes up, of course. Absolutely. Um, but we, we know now that on the whole, the number of claims is down substantially. And we know that the value of the claims um, given is also down. So, you know what I mean? Any idea that this is, and people obviously anecdotally know from their own experience, cases like you are, are talking about, and therefore the idea from the insurance industry that this is the reason that insurance costs go up, it can seem to make sense to people. But, but now we know that these insurance, both frequency of claims and the value of claims have been going down over the past number of years while premiums have been skyrocketing. Okay, so, so Paul, just very... Well, something else is happening here. Okay, so very quickly, in relation to the, your suggestion, do you think that's a realistic suggestion for the future, that the, the state will take responsibility for basic insurance or, you know, what they call third-party insurance? Well, I think it's realistic if the interests of the public are put uh, first. Um, I think it's going to face a challenge in reality that Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil aren't going to want to go along with that. It would mean um, challenging some of the rules of the EU in terms of you know, this big emphasis on um, organisation of insurance and other services through the private market. Um, there's EU directives that prohibit price controls as interference in, in the market. Um, so well, the state would be seen to be competing with private companies then, wouldn't they? You know, And that, it, that may go against an EU directive of some description. It, it, exactly. But that's, I think, where we need to to go and that's what we need to to deal with because otherwise you're going to face a situation where premiums are going to keep going up profits are going to keep going up uh, even while claims go go down mm -hmm. alright well listen thank you very much indeed Paul Murphy uh, TD from Rice alright thank you very much uh, alright well look I think it's you know Paul is telling us something that we kind of knew um, in some sense that we all knew that we were being ripped off I think that was obvious but uh, of course Paul is pointing out that the central bank has shown us now for the first time that although uh, we know we're being ripped off the excuse was that the reason we're being ripped off is because of all those bad people out there who are making massive claims on car insurance it seems it's not true because claims are actually down so your insurance should be going down but it's not it's going up some people are paying double what they were paying 10 or 15 years ago so what is the answer? Paul is suggesting maybe putting car insurance onto the price of litre petrol, that the state takes over the, uh, I suppose, the responsibility of insuring motorists. Do you think that's a good idea? Would it work? The more you use your car, the more you're going to pay, I suppose. If that was the case, it was put onto a uh, onto, uh, price of a litre of petrol or diesel. Let me know what you think. The number is 087 Don't know how it'll work out for electric cars, but Fred, you're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Fred? Hey, now, happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Fred, is Thank your car you. insurance due soon, is it? <laughs> Uh, no, not from March. But uh, this is not a new thing now with the insurance drip-off. In the early 80s, my first insurance was £650. Right, okay. That was dear right. enough, wasn't it? It was then, yeah. I was 25, about 25 years ago. Now, 
The following year, it went down and got a quote. Now, this was a broker, and it was £509. So just that morning, the envelope, and I threw it in my pocket, and I, I was going into town anyway. So I had to bump into one of my brothers, and uh, he was going into PMPA, which was in Wolfhound. I remember and, them well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. And he was getting his, he was insured in his car. So I said, I'll go in and get a quote, you know, just. So I uh, took a ticket, filled in all the usual criteria, my name called, and the girl showed me thing, and I got a quote for £1,066. Right. Now, I said to her, here, have a look at this. So I got this this morning in the post from my own insurance. And do you know what turned around says to me? Oh, I can compete with that. I Now, see, you're, you're talking to the converted here, and I tell this to everybody. I got my renewal about six weeks ago there. And it was 60 quid dearer than it was last year. It was, and I'll tell you how much it was, it was 720 euro. And I rang them up and I said, listen, I'll be happy to stay, which is, but I'm after getting a quote from another insurance company, which I didn't. I lied. And I said, and they're offering it to me for 590. And she says, right, hold on for a second. Off she goes and she goes back and said, look, I can't do 590. The best I can do is 610. I can take 100 off. And I said, yeah, that's grand. That'll do me. So she just, so instantly over the phone, she dropped 100 quid off the price. So in other words, they're chancing their arm. Mm. Uh, it, it's, I doubt something just has to be done with noise, you know, it's, it's getting crazy. They, it, it's almost like they're making up the price as they go yeah. along, you know, and uh, what do you think he can afford? Yeah, and I mean like that, they're putting the blame, you know, some people saying, well, young people and all that. You see, young people are queuing up now, they won't drink and drive, like, you know, the, the car has left home and, Mm. But I think I think the important thing that you pointed out is, and I think I'll say it to everybody again, and and you know it's great advice is with everything, with your gas, your electricity, change it every year because you get a good deal when you change. The same with your car insurance. You know, people for years have just been letting it roll over, just renewing it. Ring them up as soon as you get your renewal. And about two or three days before you're due to renew, ring them up and say, "I'm not thinking to quote somewhere else. A hundred quid cheaper than that," and they will do it cheaper for you. Think of that one, man. Yeah, they'll always, always be the up. days now and had red leather petrol. <laughs> red, <laughs> and red. have something to give out about, wouldn't it? Red leather petrol. <laughs> All right, listen, thanks very much indeed. Thanks, Happy cheers, cheers. Bye-bye. Happy Christmas to you. All right, by the way, just to mention as well, just uh, news coming in the farmers are back. Uh, very heavy delays as beef farmers return to a protest in Dublin City. Ah, stop, will you, lads? It's Christmas week. Oh, for God's sake. Look, I'm, you know, I, I've said this before when I spoke to the farmers the last time of the year. I said, look, you know, we're all for the protest. We support you, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, don't be t- picking on the people of the city. And that's what they're doing again. They're back in Dublin. A blockade in the city centre. AA Roadwatch has warned of very heavy delays, by the way, if you're coming into Dublin, across the city and the result of road closures around Stevens Green. Lads, cop the F on, for God's sake. It's Christmas week. You're going to destroy business in the centre of the city. This week alone, you know, for the whole month, it's probably 70% of the month's business for most of the small businesses in around the city. 25% of the business carried out in a year is probably carried out in December. And twice now you have blocked the streets. This is not good. You're not going to get any support. You're just not going to get any support if you start doing this on a regular basis in the middle of the city. There has to be other ways. I understand the cause, but there has to be other ways to deal with it. 
Uh, keep texting us. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, by the way, in relation to your car insurance, are you paying more now than you were paying last year? Are you paying less, maybe? Um, how do you think we can solve the rip-off of car insurance in Ireland? Let me know. The number is 87 And if you're a farmer, get back in your tractor and go back to where you came from. Mary, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Mary? Hi, how are you? Good, Mary. Nice to talk to you. How are you keeping? Um, what I'm actually ringing up is about my son. He was 22 at the time. This was two and a half years ago. And he was not long driving. And he had his own insurance and everything. He was doing grand. And he tipped into the back of someone. Okay. And he didn't do much damage to the car. He did more damage to his own car. And um, when the man got his insurance to look at the car, they said it was going to cost almost four grand to fix it. Which yeah. was grand. My son said he'd go to the insurance. But... Um, the man came along then. He didn't like the quotation he got off the insurance company. So he went himself to find all the parts to fix the car. And it was only going to cost him 1500 to fix it. Okay. So the man came off the insurance and said, listen, I don't want to sue for 495.50 or whatever it is. I'll just put in the parts for 1500 That's all I want to do. Okay. And the man said, then the insurance said, how many kids have you got in the car? And he said, I had my wife and three children in the car. And they said, fine, are you not going to sue them? They, want, they wanted him to sue for the three children and his wife who weren't injured. So, so the insurance company were encouraging yes. him to put a claim in? Yes, yes. Right. And because he wouldn't put a claim in for his wife and three children, he had to sign, is it an affidavit he could sign? That's right, yeah, to so say he wasn't he, going to claim, yeah. Yes, that he'd never claim, and they all fixed the car for 1500 Wow. And now, I, I've also heard of insurance companies offering people money. So let's say me yeah. and you are in the car and we, we, you know, and say somebody runs into the back of us and yeah. let's just say that person is, we'll, we'll, we'll say PMPA because they don't exist anymore. Yeah. Uh, and well, the PMPA will ring us and say, listen, the two years are in the car. I know you're not putting a personal injury claim in, but I'll tell you what, we're going to send you a thousand euro out each just yeah. in case. And will you sign yeah. this for us? It was something similar to that. Yeah, just a kind of payoff just to yeah. stop you from claiming. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've but, heard of um, that. The man said no, and they got quite annoyed with him because he wouldn't sue my son. He said he's a young lad. He, it, what happened was it was really... Well, fair play to him for not wanting to do that, exactly yeah. Exactly, yes. That's what he said. But that's why the insurance was so high. So it was, his, it was his insurance company were, were, were yeah. encouraging him to claim off your son's insurance company, yeah, for personal no, injury. My, no, because my son's insurance company... Oh, right. We're encouraging were him to claim off themselves. Off of him, yes. Ah, stop. So he left the country and after that he got another job in a different country so it was grand. Yeah. He said, the hell with them. They can do what they want now at this stage. I know, yes. Yeah. I mean, look. It's, it's a re- and do you drive yourself, by the way? I do, yes. And what's your insurance like? Is it expensive? Um, it's about 400 years, about 430 years. But that's not a, bad. That's so not too bad. No, but I went in and looked, got, got my insurance up there a few months ago and it was 600 euros. 602 euros. Right. I rang them up. And I said, listen, I'm with you 20-odd years. Of get lost, yeah. Politely get lost. They dropped it back down to four after two phone calls. Yeah, that, that, that's what I said. They, that's what they do. Yeah. It's like they but just chance their arm. They you do, know what I mean? And if you pay it, then... You're the worst, Phil. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I always fight my case at any insurance, house insurance, any insurance that I always fight. Well, house. look, that's, a, that's intriguing that the insurance yeah. company were encouraging people to sue yeah. them. Well, that's, yeah. And that doesn't surprise me, by the way. doesn't surprise me. Thank you, Mary, for that. Appreciate it. Uh, Jerry, you're on Classic Hits. Jerry, this whole insurance game, it's a minefield, really, isn't it? It's, it's, it's gangsters, no, legalised gangsterism, you know. I'll, I'll give you a little example of uh, the situation I'm in. Uh, I'm driving a taxi, OK, and in... Uh, in 2012, I was paying 980 euro, I think, fully comprehensive insurance. 
Okay. Is that yeah. was that cheap for a taxi? Is that okay? Is that average that, price? That was, yeah, that was yeah, okay. twenty twelve that was about yeah, the going rate, you know okay. what I mean? Okay. But anyway, in twenty twelve I got rolled off. I was involved in a head on crash, not my own fault. And uh, what happened to me then was it took three years the guy who hit me wasn't short. But because you kept going missing, it took three years to get uh, any compensation. Right. Because the courts, whatever way they work, the courts have to uh, deal with them. And were you badly injured, by the way? Were you badly injured? Well, it was no, really soft tissue damage, luckily. But the, the car was totaled, myself and two passengers, you know, an ambulance took us all the way. Well, I'm assuming the passengers put a claim in then as well, yeah. Yeah, but they put yeah. a claim in against the other guys. Of course, yeah. You know, as yeah. I did, you know, my car was totaled. Yeah. But in the, in the heel of the haunt anyway... Um, because it took three years, I mean, I was able to walk from out to that, I was trying to rent taxis, but it, it was three years before I could put another car in the road. And uh, this, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but while I was off the road, the NTA changed the rules on the taxi licenses. So when I went to reactivate my license, you, re- you renew your license every year with your NCT. When I went to renew the license, I was told, oh, that's obsolete. We changed the rules while you were out tough. So, I, I, I so how long? How long can you? Yeah, how long can you leave your license to expire now? How long are you allowed to? A year, a year and one day. Oh, right, okay. Five years. Right, okay. A year and one day. Right. So anyway, to try now, bear in mind in twenty twelve, no social welfare, nothing. I didn't have a penny piece coming in. I was living on handouts and this and that. Yeah. So what happened was then, just to try to get myself out of a hole, I went to rent a taxi place. No problem. But for other re- uh, unexplained reasons, I had to transfer the ownership of my vehicle that I bought to the guy who wanted the taxi plate. So legally then, it was his car, and the insurance company decided the insurance was €7,000. 7000 7000 because I'm classed as renting a taxi. When I pointed out I was only renting a place, that the car was mine, I have a receipt for it, I can get yeah. affidavits from the garage man. Now, it doesn't matter. We, we accept it's your car, but we have, to, we have to class you as you're just renting a taxi and you're only in the business. Jeepers. So, it's actually gone down now. I'm doing well, I believe, to be paying something like 4400 renting my own taxi. Right, my okay. You know, I've, I, some taxi drivers have told me four grand is kind of the going rate now. It's in around four grand, five grand. Yeah, but I'm driving now in one shape or another. I'm driving nearly 40 years in one job or another, and I've never cost an insurance company as much as a, a windscreen. And it, it's like my broker tells me if it wasn't for this ridiculous rule where I designed my car away, everyone's insurance did go up, but I'd be paying maybe fourteen, fifteen hundred euro, not forty four hundred. Yeah, that just seems bizarre, doesn't it? Oh, it's it's crazy. Well, of course, the NTA have a finger in that as well. You know, I mean, that that's that's a day for another show. I mean, and what do you think of Paul yeah. Murphy's suggestion about putting the cost of insurance onto onto diesel or petrol? No, that just won't work because you know people. I think because insurance is a legal requirement, it shouldn't be in the hands of private companies. I mean, if, if the TV license, that's another uh, legal requirement. Yeah. You know? No, that's that's, open, gra- that's yeah, open for and, question at the moment, yeah. Look at all the hoops they have to go through to, pro- to try to get an extra increase in the license, and there's lots of hoops they have to jump through. Yeah. But insurance companies just decide, well, this is what we're charging, end of story. And because they can. It's a free market, it's yeah. Right. yeah. But, I mean, as I say, because it's a legal requirement, the government should have some sort of basic third party insurance to cover everyone and then uh, if you want to get some personal insurance after that to bump it up a little bit of you far away yeah, go to a private company yeah. then and okay I, okay you know I, I get the point and 7,000 is just absolutely you should buy a nice car for 7 grand well, there you go. yeah there you go. all right listen thanks now have a wonderful day and have a happy Christmas okay well a couple of weeks ago I got on to you about supporting the farmers of a taxi driver in the city but you know Christmas week is taking the biscuit and this week, I'm not, I'm not going to support them this time. 
any other time is okay but this is just ridiculous it is yeah just to mention by the way the farmers are back in Dublin City blocking Stephen's Green again and I think everybody's going to say the same thing you know look I supported them the last time kind of even though they kind of you know discommoded me a bit but not Christmas week lads in the middle of the day are you absolutely off your heads I mean what a way to get public support Hi Nile, in 1991 I bought a car for 1,100 punts and the PMPA, sure, I think everybody was insured with the PMPA at the time. Now the PMPA or Norwich Union, are they still there? They're probably, I don't think they are. Uh, PMPA, they're probably still there, Norwich Union, PMPA are gone, I know that. Cornhill uh, Insurance, but they were around at the time, they were one of the big insurers at the time. There was only about three or four insurance companies, there wasn't that many of them. Anyway, uh, the PMPA charged me 1500 for the insurance third party and wouldn't give me fully comp as I had a provisional licence, so we've always been ripped off. Well, that, that was right, you couldn't guess fully comprehensive on a provisional licence at the time, which was a learner permit by today's standards. Um, yeah, you couldn't get, they wouldn't give you a fully comp. And if you did that, I mean, when you, yeah, when you think about it, my first insurance, I know the kids today cl- com- complain that it's kind of two or three grand, right? But my first insurance, I'm 56. I got my first insurance when I was about on my own car because I was driving my dad's as a name driver up to the age of about 20, I think. So that's like 36 years ago. 46 years ago, sorry. Uh, 40 years ago, right? I'm sorry, my maths is not the best this morning. So, was about 1800. So, by today's standards, it's probably not that expensive for first time insurers. Now, I'm not talking about the ripoff. I'm talking about, you know, the first insurance when people, young people complain. Uh, let me just go to John before the break. John, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, John? Hi, how are you? Good, John. Uh, you're a taxi driver? I am indeed, Isle in Cork City. Nile this year. I saved 3,600 and odd pounds on my insurance quote by making a phone call to a different company. That's the best thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. That was, uh, well, that amount of money was the best thing. Wouldn't my, my regular insurance company were looking for 6,150 odd. That's a criminal amount of money. That's Niall. That's, it was seven last year and 14 the year before that. 14? You must, did you have an accident? I, I was hit by some people and I was from behind and they had a witness to say reverse. Um, right. And I was done. Even though I had a solicitor in my car at the time of the accident, right, I wrote to my insurance company saying, "Look, we were parked and we got rear-ended." Because um, he had an independent witness that happened to be there half one in the morning with him. Um, right. My insurance company in their emphasis paid out ninety-two thousand for a shopping trolley incident. Basically, a shopping trolley would have done more damage to my car. Ninety-two thousand so, they paid out. Ninety-two thousand. And then you the suffer the consequences. On, uh, yeah. yeah. When, when this was going on, I like, sent you a couple of emails about it and things. Yeah. And I couldn't believe that this was happening in the country. I literally mean now, my car damage was 20 euros to have a little brush put over the, the scrape back. Um, but anyway, that's what the insurance companies can do in this country. They can do what they like. And they, they can, can charge what they want as long as you're willing to pay it. Well, they put you over a barrel now. I'm a taxi driver. If I, I know. Insurance, I don't operate. Yeah. And, and taxi insurance has gone up exponentially in the last 10 or 15 years. But there is hope out there for guys if they ring around. Um, I don't want to mention is any there, companies. Uh, yeah, well, I'm going to say, is there only specific companies that insure taxi drivers? Only. Only specific companies. So if they go online and look for... Uh, ins- okay, well then, well then tell us who you got the good deal from. Zico, Z-E-G-O, Zico they're called. Zico. All right, yeah. okay. Well, give them a bit of plug. Seems you got a good deal from them. All right. <laughs> thanks, Niall. All right, okay. Thanks very much indeed. So if taxi drivers listen, you got a good deal there from Zico, Z-E-G-O. I've never heard of them, but they obviously insure taxi drivers because I know they're not every insurance company insures taxi drivers. Just, uh, okay, let me go to uh, Michael. Michael, you're on Classic. How are you doing, Michael? Hi, how's it going? 
Good, Michael. Michael, you lived in Canada. Yeah. And what's insurance like over there? In the province of British Columbia, it's run by the actual provincial government. And it's only one um, insurance company that insures everybody. So if you had a crash, um, both individuals in the crash would be paying to the same insurance company. So it's in their own interest to keep the claim down. Exactly. And the individual who caused the accident, their insurance that would go up. Not, not both, because what happens not invariably in, in this country is if you are involved in an accident, even though it's not your fault, for the next couple of years until, you know, it's all settled and everything, your insurance goes up as well. Not over there. You wouldn't even lose your no claims bonus. Right, um, okay. So, and if, if you have a, a tip or in your car, you have to go to one of their recommended... Um, Garages, yeah, to get it fixed, yeah. yeah. You have the lift. And they obviously don't want to overcharge you because they won't yeah, be able to... Yeah, so your mate, your mate down the road who has a backstreet garage who's going to put, you know, work. a few hundred quid on it for himself, that's not going to happen, yeah. Nope. Okay, yeah, and, and so and now not. the insurance they give you, is that like a CDW? Is it, is it a basic collision, waiver damage insurance or third-party insurance? Or oh, is that covered per... You can drive any car you want across the board, so I can get my friend's car and drive this car, etc. So basically you're insuring the person rather than the car? Yeah. Right, okay, so you can... No, could... no, no, sorry, you're insured, the car is insured as well, so you take your insurance policy with you. So if, you, if, I drive, if I drive my friend's car, my insurance cover on my own car will cover me driving that car, because you obviously can't drive two cars at the same time. Obviously. So yeah. it's, your policy goes with you for that time. You don't have to ring up and say it to them. It automatically goes, you're insured another car, that's fine, you can drive this car. Do you know what the biggest complication I ever had with insurance? I had a, a lovely car, it was a 1998 Mitsubishi GTO, which I wanted to keep as it, because I knew it would be a classic car eventually, right? And I loved the car, it was great, but it wasn't practical, because it was only doing about 10 miles to the gallon, right? Now, I said to myself, right, I get a little run around, I'll drive it during the week, and I'll just drive the GTO at the weekends. So I rang my insurance company and I said, listen, I'm paying for the insurance of this GTO at the moment. Is there any chance that I could get another car and ensure that I'll drive that during the week and I'll just drive the GTO at the weekend? I don't mind if you want to limit the mileage or whatever, it doesn't bother me. And they said, no, no. I said, what do you mean, no? And she said, well, you can't insure two cars on the same no claims bonus. So we can insure it, but you'll have no no claims bonus until yeah. you build it. And I said, you're having a laugh. And I said, why? I said, I can only drive one car at a time. Exactly. But they, they insisted that if I wanted to get even a small car like a Focus or something like that, I would have to pay six, four or five grand or whatever it was because there would be no no claims bonus on it. Sure, like, like even, even, even that aside, I actually, um, I was driving a five-year Mustang and insurance was about $1,500 spent a thousand euros a year. And my wife, who was a police officer at Vancouver PD, when we came back to Ireland, she had to sit the whole test again from scratch as a provisional license driver, even though she had advanced training with the Vancouver PD and was driving like 25 years. And, and that's something that. I don't understand, by the way. I don't. Oh, it, it's not the was. You have to do the whole test again. And, that, and the other thing as well that has to change is if you let your insurance policy lapse more than two years. So in other words, if I head off to Australia for, say, three years yeah. and I come back to Ireland, my no-claims bonus is not valid anymore. Mine wasn't valid. We need a revolution here, man. That's what we need. A, we revolution. Need a revolution. We need a revolution, Michael. Happy Christmas to you. Francis, you're on Classic Hits. How you doing? Hi, Niall. How are you? We need um, a revolution, Francis. Well, that's it. You did, that's right. And <laughs> um, no, it's just uh, my myself and my husband were both taxi drivers. Okay. Yeah. And uh, we're with the same company for the last up until probably I would say probably two years ago, three years ago. We could change every year. You know, our our insurance policy. We could get the best policy. We could shop around. Now we can't do it because we're husband and wife on one car. No other insurance company is going to take us. And when I asked the question, they have told us, we've dropped that policy. We've dropped that, that off. So, no. We and can I ask it. you how much you pay? 
how much how much insurance do we pay every yeah. year? Yeah. Um, my my insurance is around three thousand seven hundred. Okay, and his. Well, that would be probably for the two of us. Oh, okay, okay. Well, okay. I, okay. Well, I suppose in the part of your country, the country you're living in, that's probably expensive enough. But for yeah. I suppose if you were in Dublin, for example, that would yeah. probably cost you a lot more than that. To be honest with you, because they're paying a lot more than that. I know they are. I so know, in other I words, you're, in other words, you're stuck. You can't even yeah. shop around. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Well, that's, okay. That that doesn't sound very competitive, does it? No, not at all. So all I right. just said, yeah. I just said I'd throw that in and just. All right, no, no, and that's a good. It's a good point to make. They should, they should be forced. Everybody should be forced to give you a quote, even if it's probably not a good quote. But you should be able to shop around. Unfortunately, that's there should be some non-competition clause in there where it's almost like a monopoly situation. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan show. Classic hits.